Hey everyone, this is Joey, your somewhat adequate dungeon master. We're finally getting around to doing our Desperate Orcish Housewives arc, which was chosen by our patrons on Patreon. So if you would like to join the next poll, be sure to check that out. Today we have a couple of old voices and new voices. Starting with perhaps our oldest voice, we have Jeremiah. That was mean. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Who plays Hyrkir in the main campaign and will be taking the role of Nova today. Next up, we have Mitchell. Hi. <laughs> um, a catchphrase. <laughs> Who plays Sirius in the main campaign and today will be playing Deborah. Next up, one of our new voices, we have Wesley. Greetings, listeners. Who will be playing Kia. And last but not least, we have Claire. Catchphrase, catchphrase, catchphrase. <laughs> uh, who will be playing Vivian. But yeah, this arc should run for a couple episodes and then we'll be back to the main campaign. Let's go ahead and get started. Welcome to Falcon's Reach, a city in which magic is technology. You're listening to Adequately Advanced Magic. We see a quaint suburban street, located in a well-to-do neighborhood of Falcon's Reach. Children of various species and races play along the sidewalks, adjacent to overly well-maintained lawns of magically grown grass. We can see a half-elf gardener is pruning the hedges, with magically animated pruning shears that are levitating off the ground. We see multiple levitating vehicles slowly putter through the street, and a variety of characters walking about. A close-up of a nearby street sign says Amethystaria Lane. It's the day of the annual neighborhood potluck, set to take place at Lady Kensington's place, rich widow who lives along the street. The camera sort of pans out and you see that the four of your houses are located in the cul-de-sac, and then Along the street, there's four houses on each side. We then see the inside of your house, Deborah. What does it look like? So, first and most importantly, it is spotless. It is a nice two-story suburban house. Everything is like put away in its proper place. The furniture is covered in plastic. <laughs> oh, it's like the little like plastic covering that the furniture comes in, or. <laughs> Yes, Deborah is somebody who's very concerned with appearances, and so she wants to make sure that the furniture doesn't get scuffed. In the kitchen, there's a bowl of fruit and other health, and there's other healthy snacks out for for the kids to eat. Yeah, it's a very clean, well-maintained house. The camera pans over to you, 
as you walk into your living room. And what do you look like? Deborah is a very small, or she's relatively small for an orc. She's an orc. She has red hair in a curly bob reminiscent of January Jones from Mad Men. She's wearing a blue button-up shirt with a long white skirt. And she sets herself... What time is it, Joey? It's about mid-afternoon. Yep, so she starts making veggie sandwiches for the kids. We see your two children run into the living room. It's chaos. Their names are Zog and Glob. And what do they look like? Zog is the boy. Glob is the girl. Both of them are blonde after their father. Both of them are roughly middle school aged. So they're kind of early teenagers. But they're both bigger than Deborah. But they're also both... But Deborah is still able to intimidate them pretty well and the second they come in they see deborah and they're they stop their tomfoolery and deborah says zog glob i made you some delicious veggie sandwiches and presents them to zog and glob and then says if you eat them i'll let you have a nice treat of some yummy grapes afterwards you take a look at their faces they are painted with disappointment nevertheless both zog and glob reach their hands out for the vegetable sandwiches. Such good children. I pat them on the head. Make sure to eat that. They retreat before you can give them grapes. Youth. Having finished feeding the children, your mind turns towards your next task. What are you making for the annual neighborhood potluck? Yes, so Deborah's going to make some egg bites, and they're all going to be perfectly uniform and nutritious. So Deborah starts prepping the kitchen to make her egg bites. Her famous egg bites. What are egg bites? I don't know. Is this a... Oh, Oh, (laughs) I thought it was like the things from Starbucks. Don't they have like egg bite things there? Yes, that might be where I saw them. (laughs) Are we deviled eggs? Are we quiche? Like what were we thinking here? They are little frittatas with veggie cheese and meat in them. An egg. (laughs) They're just called egg bites, but they have no <laughs> eggs in them. Oh, yeah, they're like little frittatas with made out of egg and also have like cheese and meat and veggies in them. I was trying to think of something that like could be made to look uniform. This is the most important part is how they look. Obviously. Yeah. Go ahead and roll a survival check. Of course. Survival. That's a 10. I make the most average egg bites. Yeah, they, they turn out to be incredibly mediocre. Deborah's mostly concerned puts most of the effort in making them look good, but the taste leaves something to be desired. And as you grab a knife to do part of the preparation, you have a brief flashback. Whoa! You see your ex-husband screaming at you. Yes. It puts you out of sorts for a hot second, and then you grip the knife tightly. When it cuts back, the knife is in, like, the blade is down, in Deborah's hand, where like the hilt, she's like gripping the hilt. The blade is like down in like a stabbing <laughs> grip, and then she looks at it, and then is like, "Oh, I lost myself there," <laughs> and turns the and repositions it so that it's up. As you flip the knife up, we cut over to Nova, and Nova, what are you doing on this bright afternoon? She is in her study alcove type room. It's dark there's star things all over some pleasant incense burning 
and she is reviewing some tarot, trying to get a feel for what uh, this party is going to be like, what she needs to be prepared for. As you do your tarot cards, you literally somehow draw like five death cards. <sighs> she is concerned. She's going to make some tea and do some tea leave reading next to see if she can get something. <laughs> a different, a different look. Mildly worried, you head over to the tea. As you make your tea, you see the tea leaves form like a little scythe. Because that's how tea readings work, that's right? That's totally. She is very concerned now. She thinks maybe she should not be going to this party. Or maybe no one should be going to this party. It's not clear who's in trouble with these readings. But something bad is going to happen. You don't have a whole lot of time to think about the tea leaves. Because suddenly your three small children burst in through the door. We see Talia... 12 years old, Micah 10 years old, and Star 8 years old. What do they look like? Talia is dressed very normally. Um, she wants nothing to do with her weird mom. Micah is just like your classic 10-year-old boy. He's maybe wearing decent clothes because they're they're wealthy, but he's still disheveled and like has dirt on him from something. And Star is just like the baby, and she's wearing like a, a star dress and is super into this divination thing that her mom is into. Nova, what do you look like? Oh, Nova's about 5'8". She's wearing a dark, a black dress. Uh, it's a very flowy dress, but she has a, a colorful scarf around her neck. She has several necklaces with different kind of crystals on them. Her hair is dyed blue right now. Uh, different days it may be dyed differently. And is held up by a, a headband that has like a star motif on it. Oh, so that's your favorite child? Odds. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, she has no favorites. Maybe the cards can tell you which one's your favorite child. As the three kids burst through the kitchen, we get a wide shot of the house. And what, what does that look like? It is also clearly decorated with her in mind. There's sort of tapestries and things on the wall. The lighting is, is low. There are several lamps producing different amounts of light. There's some incense burning somewhere. Everything is, is lushly furnished. It looks wealthy, but also kind of archaic and definitely not what one would expect. Pursuing the children is your husband, whose name is... Oscar. He only really manages a sideways glance at you as he continues to play with the children. Um, she sighs heavily and then claps her hands and says, Children, come here. Micah goes, I want her, Mommy. Well, you're going to because I have told you to. Oscar, she looks pointedly at her husband. Oscar sighs and he says, All right, kids. Mommy wants to see y'all, and he gently ushers them into the kitchen. Thank you. Now, children, I've been doing my usual readings, and I have some very bad news about this party. I have want you to be extra careful. Something bad is haunting this event. So I want you on your best behavior, and I want you to stay close to Mommy and Daddy. Do you understand? The kids all look at each other and nod. Mostly in confusion. Huh? Uh, how long is it till the party? A couple hours. A couple hours. Just be sure you're ready when the party begins, okay? Okay, mommy. She claps her hands and turns around and goes back to her tea leaves. Yep. The kids run back into the living room. What are you planning on making for the potluck? Oh, she's ordered something in. She doesn't cook. <laughs> what did you order? 
it's like sort of what a, an hors d'oeuvres plate. There's like cheeses and it's like a, a fancy what is it, like charcuterie, but beyond just, you know, usually meats and cheeses. There's some olives, there's some fruit. It's a big platter. She hasn't bothered to like remove the name of the restaurant or anything on it. <laughs> yeah, it, it just sits in the corner of the kitchen. 100%. A couple seconds later, Oscar pokes his head in. Hey, Nova, could you uh, do that thing I asked you to do? I got a performance review coming up. Oh, yes, of course. Give me a minute. She'll head back into her study magic room to perform the divination. Yeah. Uh, Oscar's just like, great, thanks. And then pieces out to play with the kids again. (laughs) Just stay as far away from his weird-ass wife as possible. You head into your divination room. What do you do? She begins setting up the room with... She kind of puts out this current level of uh, incense, puts in some new... She's taking a, a, a time to put herself in the mind of, uh, you know, doing a divination. And then she'll pull out one of her illegal divination magitex and she'll cast the spell. Yeah. For the spell, you ask a single question concerning a specific goal, event, or activity to occur within seven days. What does Oscar need to know to pass his performance review? Yeah, you, you cast your divination magic tech, and there's a tinkle of magic scar, uh, scars. Magic, oh, God! It burns! <laughs> uh, magic stars throughout the room. And then they slowly form into letters. You see a large B appear, and then it eventually forms beware of taxes. This means nothing to you. Nova sighs, and then goes to look for Oscar to tell him. You leave the room, and the magic remains, and two more words appear after taxes. It says, and death. Wow. Damn. Now for the libertarian part of the program. <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut over to Kia. Kia, what do you look like, and what are you doing? And what does your house look like? Kia, also a denizen of this neighborhood, is sitting in a fairly well-appointed house, but deep inside there is a studio, which she has set up to provide classes of fitness or yoga variety to the various neighborhood denizens, almost exclusively women. And she is a half-orc, relatively young for a half-orc, smartly dressed in form-fitting athletic wear, short Relatively short, uh, bobby hair tied up in a ponytail, dark, and she is currently meditating amidst the fairly spartan but also comforting environs of her yoga studio. Although Kia is a fairly recent transplant to Amisteria Lane, it's, it's a fairly well-established neighborhood, but she's only been here with her husband Kai for about two years. She's managed to develop a fairly successful yoga and fitness business. But recently, she's begun to enter the realm of life coaching as well. So she is trying to concentrate on really thinking about her clientele's personality, their various needs, wants, and desires, and how she might you know, better, better change her own mindset to serve that particular set of, of clientele needs and not just do the, the full driven, you know, constant hard as you can push yourself 
get fit, get swole, get ready, and uh, be as hot as you can be that has defined most of her more successful business over the past two years. You, you wrap up your yoga session, and your mind turns towards what you're going to make for tonight's potluck. Mm. Well, you know, I spend most of my days really trying to just keep my own body in the, the perfect state of perfection and, and trying to provide the best possible service that I can for my clients. I don't really have a, time, a lot of time to do cooking or, or that kind of thing, but my husband, Kai, I know he works for, for Jaimo, you know, the, the food corporation, and he's been cooking up some kind of fancy new, like, liquid-based meal replacement. Very healthy, you know, only the best plant-based ingredients for a certain certain kind of clientele. And so I, I plan to bring these almost Bloody Mary-like shooters, but they are, are actually quite nutritious. So I hope that everyone's going to take a swig of that and feel refreshed and ready to tackle the day. Yeah. Just as you're thinking about it, a rat appears. Kia is very perturbed by this interruption and her finely curated yoga studio. What the hell is this vermin doing in this space that I've dedicated so many hours to building and maintaining. Kia, you are spooked for a hot second, and then you call that your husband has a rather annoying habit of using animal messenger to send you messages. <sighs> the rat begins to speak to you. It says, Hey, Kia. I'm not going to be able to make it tonight. Also, I couldn't get the food you wanted. Sorry. I'll see you later. Kia attempts to maintain her meditative peace, but under her breath, she mutters something to the effect of, <sighs> Kai, you typical spineless bastard. How have you failed me again? <laughs> and she now fervently starts to just like break down and, and think about what kind of ingredients are in the house and what she can possibly make. And she thinks that she can sort of still do these like Bloody Mary shooters but they're not actually going to be nutritious anymore. They're just going to be faux health drinks that are actually just it's really alcohol and tomato juice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's healthful, you say. It's so good. <laughs> Your absolute failure of a husband. <laughs> I break my meditation and I begin to make my way towards the kitchen, which is fairly well appointed. It's it's definitely an upper middle class house. The, the yoga studio in particular is fairly Spartan, but the rest of the house is pretty fully decked out as befitting this particular neighborhood. And angrily, I begin to just dredge out a bunch of, of glasses and the blender and various things like that necessary to make these Bloody Marys while cursing my useless husband under my breath. Yeah, and as you begin to make your faux nutritious Bloody Marys, the blender stops working. At this point, Kia takes a moment and really tries to find her inner peace. You just, you see her standing over the counter and this malfunctioning blender as she closes her eyes and, and brings her chin down to her chest, pauses one second two seconds, three seconds, and then suddenly in a flash, almost faster than, than any external observer can see, she just grasps the blender by one hand and flings it into the wall as hard as she possibly can. Glass, liquids, ingredients shattering everywhere. 
There's a moment of silence as the camera does a close-up on the remains of your blender. You hear Kia muttering again under her breath, Kai is going to fucking clean this up when he gets back home. (laughs) And then we cut to Vivian. We see Vivian at work, sitting behind a news desk, giving the latest report on on what? What what, what are you reporting on? Vivian is reporting upon a possible line of public transportation that's going to be built in the community. Um, Specifically, it gives, it would, it's proposed to give magic carpet rides (laughs) to help people get around. And she is very angrily railing against this idea. Yeah, the the camera zooms out, uh, revealing what you look like. And what do you look like? She is, she has a brown angled bob uh, with bangs that kind of sweep in front of her face and one of her eyes. She's actually pretty large for, for a half orc. So a lot of the clothes that she is wearing, so she's wearing kind of like a tailored pantsuit, but it doesn't quite lay very well on her more muscular frame. And the pantsuit is kind of like a pale pink. You finish your tirade against the proposed magic carpet transportation route, and then somebody is like, cut. A couple of interns run up to fix your makeup, but it's time for you to get out of here. You still got to pick up your child, and you still got to figure out what you're going to bring to this potluck. Yeah, so the interns run up, and they kind of just like dust off my face and say, oh, thank God. And then I start kind of like gathering my things and getting ready to go. And I get in the car and I go to Charlotte, who is my daughter's high school, to pick her up. You pull up to the high school and you see Charlotte standing outside by herself. It seems like everybody else has gone home already. I I wave out the window a little bit half-heartedly because I feel a little bit badly about picking her up late. She gets into the car grumpily. And what, what, what does she look like? She kind of takes more after her father, who is more delicate. So she has like kind of more delicate features, long brown hair, but Vivian doesn't know, but she has kind of like an undercut, like underneath her long hair, but it's a secret. <laughs> Ooh. It's her little secret way of rebelling. <laughs> yeah, as she gets into the car, she's like, like, oh my gosh, mom, I can't believe you're late again. I say, hi, babe. It was a really, really tough day at the office. I mean, I was covering this magic carpet ride and Vic wanted some more cuts. You know how it is. Um, but I'm hoping that we can spend some time together later and go to the potluck together. Yeah, I'll think about it. She pulls out... Shit, we don't, there's no cell phones in this world. Uh, 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 what, what did teenagers do before cell phones? They listen to music. <laughs> did they and have did. the oh, what were those things in like the grade school where it was like you could listen to one song and it was like Walk a square hands. thing oh that you yeah had or like hit yeah walk oh wait no no, no. Walk it's, 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 it was like hit clips it was like one yeah song. it was hit clips yeah. or something like that what <laughs> all right <Nothing>. pause <laughs> <laughs> what is this you didn't have these all right hold on yeah. I, I skipped from Walkman's to a, a smartphone. <laughs> All right. Well, you're special, but like, okay. <laughs> it was like you had like the square things that were just like one song. 
It was all like oh, weird <laughs> boy bands of the day. Many discs were a thing in the late '90s, but they did not take off. I remember these. Hit clips didn't make any sense, but they paved the way for the future. Is one article. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, in any case, uh, Charlotte is like, oh, whatever, mom, and then she takes out a magical music player and plugs in some Magitech. She puts the headphones on. Vivian kind of does like a a deep breath and she's like internally she's like well maybe she'll come around later she knows how important this is to me and then she drives toward home to make her dish for the potluck and she's making apple pie having heard charlotte's response your uh, how do i describe this your your mob psychometer goes up a little bit <laughs> You feel some feelings building inside you. Mm-hmm. I feel really conflicted. I'm like, because we used to be so close when she was younger, and now I feel like she's pulling away, but we can't even talk about it because she's not very good at, Vivian's not very good about like talking about feelings or feeling her feelings. She knows there's something wrong, but she can't reach it. And then she also feels guilty because she knows that she just spends so much time at work um, trying to, she's so invested in her career, but she doesn't want to pull away for that because that's important for her too. She's feeling like she's trying to keep all of these plates spinning at the same time, but like there's something that's off and she's worried. Just thinking about this stresses you out even more. Meanwhile, you arrive back home and what, what does your house look like? It's very, it's a very modern home. So everything is kind of square and angular <laughs> uh, in a way that's clearly built for aesthetics and not for comfort. Like the couch is like this like orange square couch, but it's not comfortable to sit in. And it gives it off kind of like a cold feeling. And there's like this huge geometric statue of a giraffe in the corner. I'm trying to visualize that. <laughs> I think this is actually sort of canon. I think giraffes are like this world's equivalent of mythical animal. Oh, really? really? That's so funny. <laughs> I didn't know that. It's just like nothing could have a neck that long. <laughs> That's not reasonable. Like the like like the owl bear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just have this mythical animal mm-hmm. sculpture, mm-hmm. somewhat abstract. Yes. As the two of you enter the house, Charlotte immediately heads upstairs. Mm-hmm. What do you do? I call out to her one more time, <laughs> and I say, Char, you sure you don't want to help me make apple pie? There's no response. Besides, like, okay, just me then. So then I go over to the kitchen, and I start taking out the ingredients and kind of cutting the apples into very, very, very neat slices. And each of them are the exact same size. And it's kind of pleasurable for her. And then she starts putting them into a crust that she did not buy. She actually made herself last night before because she's very organized like that. She wants to do it all. And she starts laying it in and then kind of braiding the upper crust to put on top. And then she puts it in the oven. The braided crust looks great. And you put it into the oven. And I set the timer for one hour, or however long it takes pies to cook. 
think it's probably one hour. <laughs> Sounds reasonable. She, she knows. <laughs> As you put the pie into the oven, you notice that nearby on the counter is a school newspaper from Charlotte School. I go over and I pick it up and start looking through it. Straight up on the front page is Charlotte. I feel a sense of pride initially, like she's following in my footsteps of being a, a young reporter. And then I start to read it. You start to read it, and you realize the article is about Charlotte being an activist, having held a public protest in favor of the public magic carpet transportation route. Ooh, controversy. <laughs> I feel my face start to get really, really red, and I start sweating profusely the more that I read it on. It's like I can't even feel a sense of anger be or be yet because I'm just in such shock. I'm just like, I never raised her like this. And it just like this thought keeps running through my head of just like, what are the people at the station going to think? Like, this is my child and she's coming out against a cause that in the exact opposition of a cause that I'm the public face for. Your anger burns hot and several vials in your coat jacket sort of clack against each other. I feel my finger, I feel like my fingers, my palms start to itch. And I just keep reading her name over and over and over again. And then I finally reach into my jacket and pull out a vial. For reference purposes, you snort these. <laughs> yeah, for reference for I think that I just like lay it out on my counter and I think it's like one of the like yeah, and then you snort it. I'm assuming. <laughs> you don't inject them into your into your arm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you, you take a hit of the pixie dust. We're not telling people how to do drugs, by the way. <laughs> That's not our aim this here. This is not a tutorial podcast for anyone who might be listening. <laughs> this is how you do uh, cocaine. Yeah. Disclaimer here, we do not condone the use of any illegal drug. Any reference to a real place or person was... Purely unintentional. <laughs> now, legal drugs, that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you take a hit of the pixie dust. You feel great. You suddenly have this confidence that, you know, everything is going to be perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. You can do whatever you need to do to fix this. I can. I start, I feel uh, my heart start to calm down. And I think it's okay. I know my Char. I've, I've known her since she was a baby. And... No one's going to take my job away from me. I'm, I'm the best damn reporter in this damn city. And I can do it all. I am super mom. And then I kind of, I don't know. So do I, I get tired from this or do I get more wired? You get a little bit wired. Okay. And then, uh, so just uh, for the next role, you get advantage. Mm -hmm. But then for the next two roles after that, you get disadvantage. Okay. So because I'm wired, I actually feel, since I can do anything, I'm just going to start cleaning my house on top of making pie. Because why not? I can do anything. <laughs> so I start furiously wiping down all the counters and Windexing and just making it sparkle even more than it already did. The Magitech oven timer goes ding. I go over and I 
open the oven door and I put on my paisley printed oven mitts and I start to take the pie out of the oven. Yeah. Uh, as you take the pie out of the oven, we smash cut into the four of you guys each leaving your homes to head to the party. The four of you meet up in your cul-de-sac with your respective families. I go over I, I go over to Deborah and I I give her a hug and I try to kiss her on the cheek. Deborah lets you do that because she wants to appear friendly mm-hmm. and to everybody. And she says, Vivian, hi, how are you? Zog Club, say hi to mommy's friend Vivian. And Deborah looks very expectantly at Zog and Glob. Zog looks at Glob and Glob looks at Zog. (laughs) This is already paying dividends. (laughs) (laughs) And simultaneously, rather somewhat disinterestedly, they go, Hello, Vivian. They say it at the same exact time. (laughs) Yeah, they say it at the same exact time. I say... Wow, you guys have gotten so big. You guys, she, she starts playing, tries to play with them, but she doesn't, she's not really that good with kids. That's all right. Don't, don't be too rough with them. <laughs> <laughs> Just body slams Glog. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, this is what happens when you feed them a nice all fiber, high protein <laughs> diet. And I smile very sweetly, if strained. A little bit. <laughs> That's the all fiber diet. Yeah. <laughs> We're <laughs> no constipation here. Yeah. <laughs> the second that you're distracted, Deborah, Zog and Glob run away. <laughs> Where do they go? <laughs> they go hang out with Charlotte, actually. Oh. They're into the chaos of a neighborhood potluck. I let them do it, but I say Zog Glob, don't don't stray too far away from mommy now. Then I I eye the the pie that Vivian brought. I'm like, wow, that's a nice, very neat looking pie. Vivian says, oh, you know, family recipe. Deborah makes a mental note that to make sure that she's worried that Vivian's pie looks better than my egg bites. <laughs> Ooh, drama. Ooh makes a mental note to do something about that later. <laughs> Nova and Kia, the, the two of you guys are also there. Kia is carrying a sort of cooler-like device, assuming that's something that fits within the, the magical possibility realm. Yeah, chill, chill touch. A chill touch, a chill touch powered Just cooler box. Ca- casual necro, <laughs> necro, necrotic energy to chill your... <laughs> Chill ne- your food. Necromancy can be useful, okay? I mean, why not? Yeah, she, absolutely. She recognizes Nova. I think, feel like Nova would be somewhat interested in New Age concepts that they might have chatted about. Oh, 100%. Uh, on, on the occasion after, you know, the, the communal yoga or workout session, just a one-on-one chat. So, Nova, so great to see you here. How are you doing? Nova seems a little distracted as she, as she turns to her friend. Oh, hello, Kaya. Good to see you. Her children are walking ahead with the uh, charcuterie. She's not carrying it. Yeah, the, the, the children sort of make their own group and they head off. So, like, I'm, I'm excited, Nova. What did you bring? What did you make? 
Oh, just a charcuterie board from uh, that place in the uh, the quarter down the way. You know. Um, do keep your eyes out, though. I have I had a bad a bad reading about this event, so something something bad seems likely to happen. Just just so you know, I wouldn't want you to see you get hurt. Do we uh, all hear this? No, the, the, the four of you congregate together. So, so we're all hearing her saying that something bad is going to happen. <laughs> this is not the first time you've heard her say things like this. Uh, so, like, okay, so, approach it oh, with okay. the appropriate level of yes. This nothing. Something <laughs> is not quite right with this woman. Okay, I see. No, but God, she just knows how to order the best charcuterie. So we, <laughs> we so keep we keep her around. around. She does know. <laughs> No, so Nova, like I, I totally get that. I've I've also been picking up some kind of negative vibes around this place, and I think we all just need to we all just need to try to, you know, like center ourselves and practice our techniques and really just try to get through what's it's gonna be a stressful situation and a hard environment. Yes, but do but do do stay away stay aware. There's uh could be something bad going on in the neighborhood. She looks around. Vivian picks up on this thread and starts like shoving it back to what she wants to talk about, which is the magic carpet rides. And she says, Nova, I know exactly what you mean. All of this riffraff is going to be soon in this neighborhood and bringing terrible things. And it is very dangerous. I mean, think of the children. Nova looks confused. The only (laughs) terrible thing that I've seen on this block is these hyacinths that Lady Kensington has planted in front of her her house. You know, as the <laughs> chair of the Neighborhood Beautification Committee, I insisted that we all plant chrysanthemums in front of our in front of our gardens. But no, Lady Kensington has to be special. <laughs> Perhaps she did a reading of the the vibes in the area and found the flower that best best exemplifies the energy of her space. I just say the only the only energy we need is niceness and neatness, and it's just really ruining the whole atmosphere of this community. I'm going to have a word with her about that later. So Deb, I know we chatted about this before, and I, I talked to Miss Kensington. She definitely understands the whole chrysanthemum angle, and I think maybe we're gonna try to do kind of like blended gardens going forward, but just, you know, trying to achieve the perfect balance and, and making everything beautiful and, and just ensuring everyone's happy. I understand that, and she's welcome to her opinion, but it just doesn't make sense if we don't all maintain the same standards on our lawns. If one one bad apple spoils the bunch is all I'm saying, and it's just such an eyesore on the community if we're all going with chrysanthemums and she's going with hyacinths. Then I cross my arms as if that settles it. <laughs> Your muscles bulge. I yes. <laughs> Nova goes over to the hyacinths and begins doing something with crystals to them. <laughs> you, can't, you can't get away. What are you doing to this? Something, something with crystals. Just something. Go, go ahead and roll a something with crystals check. <laughs> what, what am I rolling uh, against? What am I? Go ahead and roll an arcana check. Let's see what you're doing with the crystals. That's a natural 20. Oh, wow. Some powerful crystals. So that's a 27. <laughs> Something definitely <laughs> happens. The hyacinths speak to you. They say, fuck those chrysanthemums. <laughs> I'm not fucking surprised, but I don't hear this. <laughs> hyacinths are petty bitches. 
That's why they have no place in our neighborhood. (laughs) Nova gets back up, kind of nods to herself and says, I think the hyacinths are just fine. (laughs) <laughs> Alright, I think this should be the new main campaign, Joey. <laughs> As the four of you discuss the flowers to be planted in the neighborhood, you see your children heading towards Lady Kensington's place. Like, But if um, you want to follow this flower storyline, we can do that too. <laughs> this, is, this is what this bonus arc is going to be now. <laughs> I run after Zog and Glob, but I grab a chrysanthemum from my yard... No, that would be too obvious. I grab a chrysanthemum from one of the more compliant houses and stick that discreetly in Lazy Lady Kensington's garden or yard. The hyacinths beat it up. You just find the beaten up corpse of the chrysanthemum. <laughs> later. So we're gonna we're gonna all role play as these flowers later. Yeah, yeah chrysanthemum gang. As you plop this chrysanthemum into Lady Kensington's yard, the four of you take a look at her house. It's a very imposing three-story structure, and it stands majestically along the street. You see that the outside is made of very stately stone and brick, and there's these grand columns that flank the entrance. A large iron gate that leads into the front yard is open, and in that yard you see that everything is very meticulously landscaped, the lawn is perfectly manicured, and there's even a couple of these weird bird cages with a couple of very colorful birds flying around. There's a large fountain in the center, and you can see Magitek occasionally loading into it to spew the water out. This isn't the first time you've seen her house. Lady Kensington in particular is known for her rather extravagant and lavish parties that are held at this mansion. She regularly invites the four of you. Just the four of us? <laughs> but also everybody else. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. From your interactions with her previously, you do note that she takes great pride in her social status and connections. And in general, she's very refined and sophisticated. Her husband passed away some time ago. You do see her in the distance greeting guests. You see that she is a very elegant and regal elf if not somewhat elderly. She stands at about five feet, seven inches and is very slender and graceful. Her skin and hair are fair and flawless. And she sort of glows as you look at her. I vote we don't like her. (laughs) (laughs) Vivian turns to the group and says... I hear her gardeners are halflings that she pays under the table. Hmm, I would not be surprised. Of course she would associate with... Hmm, riffraff like that. She thinks she's so much better than the rest of us. Just because she's an elf. Oh, I was going to say it's because she's rich, but yes, also that. I mean, I'm just saying what we're all thinking. I mean, so I have tried to reach out to Lady Kensington, and she came to like one or two sessions, but... I feel like her whole vibe just kind of threw off the ambiance. I don't know if you all felt the same, and I've tried really hard to work with her on the whole chrysanthemum versus hyacinth thing, but I feel like she just, she's not really looking out for the community and the neighborhood, right? You know, the rest of us work so hard to 
put into this community. And I don't know, I just feel like she doesn't contribute and she just takes and takes and takes. She throws good parties though. Lady Kensington sees the four of you arrive with their families and she heads over to say hi. We act super friendly. <laughs> As if we weren't just of... shit talking her. <laughs> I go out of my way to like give her a hug and a peck on the cheek and I'm like Does she have a All first right. do we do we know her first name or is she just Lady No, Kensington? nobody nobody knows her first name. Okay. She, she doesn't tell people her first name. Yeah. <laughs> this is already great. <laughs> Everybody who is pretending to be nice, go ahead and roll a deception roll. You know what's great is that I put one of my expertises in that. <laughs> no one doesn't really pretend, but she's not all that interested in this one way or the other. Six. 21. Uh, seven for me. I guess Jeremiah wasn't really shit-talking her. That's true. He's just like, he has. she has good parties. Lady Kensington rolled a five. <laughs> <laughs> She's also okay, pretending she, to like us too. <laughs> no, to, to detect your deception, she rolled a five. Oh, great! Uh, so she was also she, pretending to like us. <laughs> uh, she thinks y'all are her best friends. She rolls up and she's like, "Hey, y'all! I'm so glad y'all could come." Lady Kensington, as chair of the Neighborhood Beautification Committee and Neighborhood Safety Committee, you know, I just want to say what you do for this community is so great, and you're such a valuable part of our neighborhood and and I just give her a hug and a peck on the cheek. <laughs> Vivian says, you're a true role model, and I love the yard. Hyacinth, how, how brave, how bold. <laughs> Why, thank you. They're my favorite flower. <laughs> so, Kenzie, if I can call you that, I know you missed last week's session, but we're definitely hoping to see you back on Tuesday. You made a lot of progress, so, you know, work a girl. We're gonna get there. <laughs> Why, of course. I never miss an opportunity to hang out with my favorite ladies. Yes, thank you for having this lovely event. What's the occasion again? Why, it's our annual potluck. Oh, right, yes. Sorry, my head's in the, in the clouds again. Anyways, why don't y'all make yourselves at home? Does she have a pool? No, but pulls a out fountain. a deck of tarot cards. <laughs> sure, there can be a pool. Okay. <laughs> a, pool a pool suddenly now. appears. It's like a natural pool. <laughs> There's like frogs in it and stuff. Yeah. Because she's an elf. As you guys surveil the front, the perfectly manicured front yard, you see that she has put in a pool. Oh, I see you recently put in a pool. Of course you fucking did. <laughs> She is ready to go. She like ties her hair up in an extra bob, even more than it normally was, and she is just prepared to dive in. It's almost like the normal clothes she was wearing for the potluck are also somewhere appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> she sees a couple of other guests arrive, and she says, Would you excuse me? I'll, I will catch up with y'all later. When she leaves, Deb says, I have an idea, you guys. And... I'd like to fuck with the match attack for the water fountain so that it like <laughs> discreetly so that it like sprays water at people <laughs> as they come in. Nice. These are the harmless hijinks I think we're gonna be getting up to. <laughs> Vivian says Go on, but also she deserves it, whatever it is. Mm. Hyacinth loving bitch. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nova starts looking around nervously. Deb has proposed this to the group. Uh, what is the group doing? Do you guys go along with this, or what? what is the plan to fuck with the fountain? <laughs> Vivian's all about it right now. She's still kind of feeling the effects of the pixie dust in her system, which mm. kind of tends to make her more adventurous. And she thinks that she can kind of, she feels very invincible when she's on this drug. Like she can, she can do anything or be anything. So she's all about this idea. But that doesn't make it good, kids. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Kia was, as soon as there was a swimming pool and an unexpected opportunity to work out and not just waste several hours at this reception, she is actually getting ready to dive in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> Where did Kia go? <laughs> Nova, you're just in a heightened state of awareness. Yeah, she suddenly started looking around at, at other people looking for, for danger. All right, so it sounds like it's just Vivian and Deb for the fountain. Let's do it. All right, what is the plan? So Deb is going to try to, when nobody's looking, tamper with the magic a little bit so that for one of the fountains, instead of spraying up into the air, it sprays in the direction that guests are coming. <laughs> but not not like constantly, just every so often. <laughs> All right, and Vivian, how are you helping her? I am kind of standing in front of her and blocking her while she's tampering it from view. And if Nova is still there, but just like kind of chilling out, I'm like kind of acting like we're all just having a conversation with Nova, but like- Nova's like kneeled down and is starting to look at some tarot cards (laughs) and take a reading. All right, Deb, go ahead and roll a stealth check with advantage from the help from Vivian. Ugh, bad news, guys. This one's only a... What is it? (laughs) This one's only a 31 this time. Uh, Oh, no. (laughs) Much sad. Disaster. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I rolled a 31. The other guests of the party roll in, and they're all neighbors of you, or of (laughs) y'all. You guys see Catherine Doomhammer. Oh, that bitch. (laughs) That's fun. Deb's former friend and current neighbor. Former friend. Oh, Deb. There's drama there. (laughs) Mr. and Mrs. Rodriguez, a young dwarvish couple that moved in a couple years ago. The four of you guys also see Rob, a half-elf gardener who lives on the street. Professor O'Malley, a dashing young gnome. Captain Harper, a former underground pirate who now lives on the street. Underground pirate? Yeah, it's a, it's a whole thing. Okay. It, it's it's like sewer pirates, really. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Miss Pennyworth, the the local gossip monger, and Celeste Kensington, the daughter of Lady Kensington. Uh the every, everybody like heads over to the party. Meanwhile, Deborah, go ahead and roll an arcana check to mess with the fountain. Okay, this one might not be as good. I don't have any arcana. That is a 12. Woof. You attempt to mess with the water fountain, uh, more specifically the magitech inside of it. The fountain sputters a little bit, and then water stops coming out of it. And then... The three of you at the fountain here, a commotion going on, 
near the tables that have been set up in the courtyard. Nova will take one last look at her tarot cards, sigh heavily, and then take a look at, look toward the table or stand up to look towards the table. I move away yeah. from the fountain. <laughs> 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 now that my good work has been done. And basically look not suspicious and then look over at the at the tables. The hot elven pool boy looks back. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, we can make that canon. <laughs> <laughs> look, you're going to do cool. Desperate Housewife. There's probably got to be a pool boy. Yeah. You've got a pool now. <laughs> the three of you take a look over in the direction of the tables. Rather than fixing the fountain to shoot at guests coming in, it appears that... Water is now exploding from underneath the ground. <laughs> nice. I still see this as a success. <laughs> the water is actually spraying all of y'all's children. I see this as less of a success. Nova sighs heavily. And then chaos ensues. Children are like, best day ever! <laughs> Vivian screams, Char! And she starts kind of running toward it. Zog, Glob, come to mommy. Your orders fall on deaf ears. Your two children are running wild and wet. <laughs> Talia, collect your siblings, please. Kia just continues to swim because she is child free. Kia's <laughs> <laughs> living her best life. <laughs> Dinking about over there. Some of the other guests are also sort of running around and trying to cover up the food that's been brought. Nova refuses to exert herself. <laughs> she has crossed her arms and is tapping her foot, waiting for her children to come to their senses. Sorry, is her husband there? Yeah, her, your your husband is also like... She is shooting daggers to, at Oscar, telling him to clean up the situation <laughs> with her mind. <laughs> <laughs> because that's how she works. Deborah is just saying loudly, uh, "Wow, I love how well maintained your water pipes are. <laughs> so amazing." <laughs> Vivian is ignoring the food and is kind of just looking through the throng and trying to find uh, her daughter Charlotte. Yeah, you try to take a look, and usually the kids sort of group up together. You see Zog and Glob, and they they have now degenerated into picking up some wet food, and they're throwing it, like, <laughs> at people and each other. Talia, Micah, and Star have also joined in. Yeah, they have. But you see, you don't see Charlotte anywhere. Hmm. She starts feeling super anxious and kind of tugging on her bob. You see Lady Kensington and some of her guests run over to the chaos. I go over to Lady Kensington and I ask, excuse me, um, like kind of tearing her away from whoever she was talking to. Uh, have you seen my daughter? Lady Kensington replies, why, no, I haven't. Why, I actually have to deal with this right now. Could you, uh, she just sort of trails off. Vivian kind of grunts and like mumbles under her breath, like, it's not like it was that nice to begin with. <laughs> Oh, damn! <laughs> Kia, what are you doing? And I guess at this point, is the is there so much water being splashed about and or raining down that it would be disrupting the pool? 
<laughs> a little bit. Some of the children come very, very close to knocking your cocktail over. Mm. <laughs> Shit just got real. Well, seeing it, seeing, seeing such an inevitable, horrifying thing about to take place, I will, I will somewhat spring into action and uh, rescue my cocktail from the edge of the pool and move it up to a higher table. That's getting out of the pool and beginning to take a bit more stock of my surroundings and what is actually going on. Are you looking for something in particular or just sort of like taking a look around? Uh, generally taking a look around. I mean, I'm, I, I suppose she'd be curious as to what the potential source of this was, if, if she's in a position where she could see where the water might be coming from. Uh, go and do a perception check. 15. Yeah. There's a whole water system involved, and <laughs> someone apparently shut down the fountain, and now there's mm. a buildup in the pipes. Well, you know, this doesn't, this doesn't really seem super environmentally friendly to just have all <laughs> this water spewing out everywhere, so Kia is a bit concerned and upset with what's happening right now. All right. Deborah, what are you doing? Deborah's trying to get Zog and Glob under control and is saying things like, Zog, Glob, this does not reflect well on our family. And it's not, what will, what will the neighbors say? Come on, listen to mommy. Mommy's always right. How about you do an animal handling check? That's not, <laughs> <correct, right? laughs> not an intimidate. No, we're calling them animals as well. <laughs> Child rearing check. All right. All right. Well, animal handling is not super good. Uh, 11. Zog and Glob look at you for 10 seconds. Someone runs in front of your field of view and they've disappeared. I look for them. You search. My babies. Meanwhile, Nova, what are you doing? She's still looking at Oscar. If he has not moved, wrangle the children. She will begin, she will huff and begin making her way over to him and pointing at the children going Oscar our children are out of control please bring them here Oscar does like a sort of like a shrug's shoulder like raises his hands and like attempts to pursue the children Nova nods to herself as if all is now in order (laughs) as you look upon the scene Nova you suddenly feel the hair on the back of your neck stand up she clasps her uh, crystals closer to her chest and looks around. You sense that there's someone standing behind you. She spins. And she, it looks like a very unnatural movement for her. She's not used to moving this rapidly. Who's there? You spin and you see Charlotte, Vivian's daughter. Oh. She um, shakes herself a little bit and says, Oh, Charlotte, dear, you gave me quite a fright. Can I help you? Nova, as you say that, you feel a sharp pain in your chest. She looks down at her chest. You see a knife. (gasps) Sticking out pretty much right where your heart is. (gasps) That that shouldn't be there. (laughs) What? As she looks up at Charlotte, is that where the knife came from? Yes. <gasps> Charlotte, Wh- what? There's a shot of Kia still trying to rescue her drink. 
<laughs> there's a shot of Deborah trying to wrangle her children, and there's a shot of Vivian desperately looking for Charlotte. Nova, you have this moment where you're like looking at your chest and you're looking at Charlotte. You see a little bit of color come back to Charlotte's eyes. She blinks and then she screams. <gasps> Nova, you crumple to the floor. Meanwhile, the screams have drawn the attention of the rest of the party, including your friends. We run over. Or I run over. I mean, yes, I... <laughs> nah, yes, I uh, I run over to, to Nova. Kia runs over as well. Yeah. As the three of you arrive, you see Charlotte with fear in her eyes. She slowly backs away. Meanwhile, Nova is crumpled on the floor. Blood staining her colorful scarf. You can't tell. She's wearing a black dress, so it's hard to, to see that. <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, actually not that colorful. <laughs> her scarf is colorful, but <laughs> the dress is not. <clears throat> so, I, I don't know how to unstab knives. Can somebody else help? Vivian like steps Vivian kind of steps forward and lets out this shriek, like seeing her daughter holding this knife, and she says, Charlotte, what I think are the you knife doing? Is, I think the knife is just embedded in my chest. <laughs> Ni- knife oh, is, yeah, she's the not knife is actually it? stuck it. Yeah, she's not holding it oh, anymore. Oh, so I don't know so I don't know that Charlotte did it. You're too concerned about Nova right now to really put anything together. Okay. Kia, Deborah, and Vivian. The three of you crowd. Nova's rapidly dying body. Yeah, around Nova. We need to get her to a hospital. Nova grabs whoever's arm is nearest to like her right side, pulls them down, her eyes wide. Avenge me when Mercury is in the third house and Polaris. What? Wait, did she just die? (laughs) (laughs) Quick, Vivian, use your special powers. Yeah, uh, can I try to do some lay on hands action? (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, This isn't that kind of podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It is now. The light goes out of Nova's eyes. Bring it back. Bring the light back. (laughs) Turn back on. Turn back on. Can I say that I actually do try to heal her, though? (laughs) Even after she's dead? Yeah. Okay. So I, I, even as, like, everyone else knows that she's, you know, dead, I still keep trying to, I'm holding her hand, and I'm I'm clutching my pearls, and I, I keep trying to, cast healing like I, I clutch one pearl and I I cast and I, I, I try to lay on hands and it doesn't work and then I go through another pearl and I try to lay on hands and it doesn't work and I try like three or four times and nothing is working maybe the sixth one <laughs> as I always say sixth one's the charm yeah. and I, I kind of cry out like she's not coming back Deborah's in shock and is speechless Nova come on stop Stop joking around. You're fine. You're. 
Kia had looked around a bit to see if she recognized anyone in the crowd who might be a doctor or other medical practitioner, but now has realized that uh, Nova's beyond saving, and so has, has decided to try to try to center herself. You know, she goes through a couple internal meditations and is trying to, to calm herself down and uh, says to the group, this is a dark day for the neighborhood. I'll lay a beautiful chrysanthemum wreath at her grave. <laughs> Nova rises. Roll for initiative. <laughs> As you say that, Kia, the camera zooms out, revealing the three of you cradling Nova's dead body. Ooh, it's so spooky. It's Joey again, your somewhat okay dungeon master. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of Adequately Advanced Magic, in which we learn what happens to your character when you go on vacation. Speaking of which, we should be good to go for a few weeks in terms of episodes, possibly with a week break in two weeks' time, just for me to do some more traveling again. At the rate that we're going, we're likely to return to the main campaign by late June or early July. Before that, however... Join us next time as Deborah, Vivian, and Kia investigate the murder of their fellow housewife.